Well, hey, it's great to uh, be with you here today at our Carmel campus. Uh, my name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor at Genesis. I spend most weekends preaching over at our Noblesville campus, and uh, many of you know and love Steve Wallen, our Carmel campus pastor. Well, he and I did the little switch uh, this morning, so he's preaching over at our Noblesville campus, and I have really been looking forward uh, to this time, always look forward to coming over and sharing with you, and uh, I'm just so grateful uh, for each of you and love uh, what God is doing through our Carmel campus right now. And Uh, through all of Genesis Church. I I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you attended one of our six worship services last weekend, Easter weekend, we had 1,325 people uh, between the two campuses, which is our largest weekend ever as a church. And uh, we're just so excited about that, and we're thankful for you and uh, the work that you're doing, the prayers that you're praying, the investing in others and inviting people to come, making them feel welcome, uh, opening up your life to serve and to be available to all the people that just, well, our mission uh, is helping people find their way back to God. And that's just a reminder to us that every life matters, uh, every life counts. And so we're here to bring glory to the name of Jesus and to serve Him uh, and to make His name famous. Have you ever uh, found yourself uh, in the food court and you just really don't know what to choose? Like, you know, you're hungry, right? I mean, you went, you, if you've gone to the mall before, if you've gone to something like Castleton Mall and you know you're going to eat... But you walk into the food court and maybe you're starving and you just kind of take a step back and you look at all of your options and you're just a little overwhelmed, right? Because you're hungry, but the question that you're really asking is, you know, what am I really hungry for? What is it that will really satisfy me? And so maybe if you've stepped into the food court before again, whether it be at the mall or if you travel a lot, maybe you spend a lot of time in airports, you get all of those options. And so you, you kind of take a step back and you survey all of your options and you've got a really difficult decision to make. I, uh, you know, for me, I remember I was in the food court just a few weeks ago and I knew I was going to eat. And so well, decisions are tough. And so I'm looking around and so I knew, I mean, you can go China walk. I mean, you've always got some sort of Chinese place that you can eat at. Or then over here, there's the Mexican cantina. And so maybe you're going to go the, the Mexican food route. Uh, you can always just kind of go traditional. You know, maybe you'll love pizza. And so you've got Sabaro. And so maybe for you, it's getting a couple slices of uh, of pizza, or there's, doesn't every food court have that one place that makes like $10 fruit smoothies, you know, that you would spend that much, you know, on a, on a fruit smoothie. Uh, or if you're like me, what I do is I just keep walking past the guy that hands out the bourbon chicken, right? I mean, it's free. I mean, what's he going to do? Tell you no. And so you just kind of keep making passes. And before you know it, you can really make a meal off of it and you don't spend anything. Uh, but all those decisions, all those choices, you know, what is it that will really satisfy? It's kind of like a good buffet, you know, I, how many of you have ever been to The Journey? Anybody ever been to The Journey before on 96th Street? Yeah, that's like the major leagues, you know, of buffets. I mean, where else can you get pepper steak and a hamburger and they've got a chocolate fountain in there too and it's really good food and all of those decisions and choices and you just load up your plate because you want a little bit of it all and you're looking for, you know, what is it that'll really, what will satisfy the most? Or how about the Cheesecake Factory? You ever been there? You ever seen that menu? It's like a novel, right? I mean, there are so many options. There are like footnotes, you know, for all of these items. And so you're, you're stuck. And if you're like me, and if decisions are a little difficult to come by, when you go to a place like the Cheesecake Factory, you really, you need, you got, you need some help, you right? You need some help in making a decision. And so if you're with your friends, 
you know, you do what I do. You kind of ask around the table. You start asking people that you're with, hey, what are you going to get? Uh, what do you think that really sounds the best? Or uh, maybe if you're really desperate, you get up from your seat and you just kind of wander around the restaurant, right? And you just kind of look over people's shoulders, kind of get an idea of what they're eating. If you're really strange, I mean, maybe you ask if you could just sample, you know, a little bite, just a little off to the side or, or, or something. Or, or you sit at your table and you wait for the server to come and you put all of your faith in the server. And so you'll ask the question, hey, what's good here? Or, you know, what are people ordering? Or what's really good today? I mean, what is it that I should get? It's kind of a picture of life, really, when you think about it. That life is kind of like that, too. I mean, with life, it's like we have this menu full of options. And we have so many things to choose from. So many things that promise pleasure. So many things that promise instant gratification. That if you buy this or if you try this, that it's guaranteed satisfaction. And so we ask ourselves, I mean, we find, our, we find ourselves asking all the time, should I pursue this? Or what should I go after? What should I order? What is it that will really satisfy me? And so think about how often we do this with others. You know, we look to others and we look at what everyone else is buying and we look to what others have ordered in life and we can't help but wonder, you know what, if I only had their success, man, if I had success like that, then I'd be satisfied. Or if I had that marriage, you know, if I had a house like that, or if we lived across the street in that particular subdivision, or if we had that kind of money, if I had that kind of money, man, then I know I'd really be satisfied. Or how about this? Have you ever gone to a restaurant and maybe a restaurant that you enjoy eating at and so you've got a favorite, but you really kind of branch out on this particular day and you order something that you've never ordered before and then you get it and either after you look at it or you taste it and all of a sudden you realize, you know what, I made a really poor decision. And, and in life too, sometimes we wonder, you know, I wish that maybe I would have married that person. Or maybe if I'd have taken that job or taken a chance on that investment or a chance on that startup. And, and you can't help but think, you know, if I had only done this or done that, then maybe I'd really be satisfied. And what happens is that we end up living with regret that so often I think we end up living with regret because what we have, we would say, isn't really cutting it. And here's a question we all ask. I think everyone asks this question. I've asked this question. And we ask it at different times and in different seasons. I mean, some of you, there's a really good chance that some of you are here this morning and you're asking this question today. It's just simply the question, what is it that really satisfies? Like, what is it that's going to satisfy me? And where can I find satisfaction? I mean, when it comes to my life, what is the one thing that will truly satisfy? Hey, here's what it is. Here's what I believe more than anything it all boils down to. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. True satisfaction in this world can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. You and I, we can search and we can search and we can look to and look to and try this and try that. But at some point in your life, I pray that every single one of you, if you haven't already, will encounter the reality that true satisfaction can only be found in a relationship with Jesus. We're going to talk about that today. Before we go any further, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you uh, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, um, our righteousness, and uh, you sent him, Lord, because you know that we need him. And God, I pray that what you would do today is that you would open us up, that you will open up our hearts and our eyes to see and to realize that Jesus Christ is the only one that can truly satisfy. God, increase in us that hunger today and let us see the answer that can ultimately be found 
in our relationship with Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible with you, uh, turn to John chapter 6, the fourth book of the New Testament, Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 6. If you use uh, something like the YouVersion app on your smartphone, we invite you to go there with us. We won't think you're playing some farm game or anything else uh, that you're really following along, but uh, John chapter 6, and uh, we have been in a series, we're wrapping up a series today called The Chosen One, and what we've been doing for the last month or so together is looking at a series of statements uh, that Jesus made while He was living on the earth. And these particular statements that we've been looking at together tell us something about Jesus. Uh, They help us understand a little bit more about who He is and how we can relate to Him uh, in a relationship. And so today we're asking the question, what is it that brings satisfaction? I mean, is there anything that truly uh, satisfies? And to that question, Jesus replies in John chapter 6, verse 35. In fact, let's all read it together, okay? Nice and loud, out loud together, right here from the screen, starting at the quotes. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, let's take a look, just kind of consider for a moment what exactly is happening here in John chapter 6. Jesus and his disciples had just crossed the Sea of Galilee uh, to this particular portion along the lake, uh, and as they get there, they encounter a large crowd of people uh, waiting for him. Now, the Bible says that there were 5,000 men. If you add to that that there were likely women and children present too, some scholars believe there may have been as many as 15,000 people present, uh, if not more, on this particular day. And every one of them came to see and hear from Jesus. I mean, his popularity is increasing. People are hearing the stories. And so they came for themselves. I mean, they had heard from their friends. They had heard from their acquaintances uh, about all these things that Jesus was doing. And so they had come for themselves to see Jesus, and they were hoping to see a little bit more about what he had been up to. Well, Jesus started teaching them. That's what he often did when a crowd came together. He would teach them. And at some point in the day, he recognized that the people were getting hungry. Now, you've got people around you in your life that you can kind of always tell when they're getting hungry too, right? I mean, if you've got kids, you know there's that moment, that moment of their unreasonableness that will come out if you don't get some food in them. Uh, Some of you married somebody like that. I mean, they just have a, a point where they have to eat. Uh, I've always thought it's why supermodels, when they walk down the runway, look so angry. They're just hungry, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They just really want to eat. And so uh, we don't know what happens here, but Jesus, he, he just knows these people are hungry. And so he says to his disciple, hey, they're hungry. We got to do something. Let's feed them. And, and I think the disciples are a little thrown off by his question and this suggestion. I mean, where in the world, especially in the ancient day, do you find enough food for 15,000 people, especially on a moment's notice? Well, if you know this story at all, if you've been around this story or church or Sunday school, I mean, you've heard the story about how Jesus, how he does something really cool and he, he, he gathers, you know, he gets together, you know, five loaves of bread and two fish and he performs a miracle right in front of his disciples' eyes. And let's pick it up in John chapter 6, verse 11. It says, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted he did the same with the fish. I want you to notice, how much did Jesus give them? It says, as much as they wanted. I want you to see that he met their needs by filling them. He satisfied them 
on this particular day. Now, what, from what we can tell from this story, if you read it as a whole, this particular narrative, at least a large portion of the people stuck around, and evidently this hillside turned into a KOA campground of sorts, uh, if you know what a, the, a KOA campground is. And, and eventually the, the crowds fell asleep, and as they did, Jesus got into a boat, and he kind of snuck off to another portion of the lake. Well, the next morning, the people started, you know, they're awake and they discovered that Jesus was gone, that he had moved off into a new location. So what did they do? They went after him. They got in their boats and they went pursuing Jesus. I mean, they went looking for him. And why did they pursue him? And why did they go searching for Jesus? Hey, the truth is they were hungry, right? And they were hungry again. I mean, they went to bed full, but now they woke up again hungry. I mean, their meal ticket had crossed over to the other side of the lake. And I just think that while we might not see it at first, that there's an important spiritual truth right here. And this is something that a lot of us have experienced at different times of our lives and in different seasons. And that is that there is a difference between being stuffed and being satisfied. There's a difference between stuffing yourself and saying you're full but really being satisfied. Look at it like this. Um, Sorry to keep talking about food, but I'm going to do it anyway. So you you ever been to the Pizza Hut lunch buffet, right? Uh, My my boys, I've got two young boys, an eight-year-old boy and a 10-year-old boy. They love pizza, right? I mean, what boy doesn't? And they really love going to the Pizza Hut lunch buffet with their dad. And so have you ever been so hungry uh, guys, that like you went to the Pizza Hut lunch buffet, and come on, let's just be honest, everybody knows their personal record, right? Like you know how many slices on your very best day you've been able to throw down, and so my boys do, and dad does too, and so every once in a while you're just so hungry and you'll go and you'll just fill yourself up on pizza like that, but are you really satisfied? You know, when it's all over, I mean, when you're stuffed, or the kind of the same is true with the Little Caesars hot and now, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I bought one of those, and, and I, I polished one of those off by myself one time, you know? I mean, and, and it's not bad, bad when it's hot and, and fresh, but, uh, but really, I mean, when you're all done and you're that stuffed, can you really honestly say that you're satisfied? Um, Jenny, my wife and I, I remember one time we got out of town for what was intended to be a romantic getaway at a really cool bed and breakfast, and uh, we went out to dinner the one night while we were there and a really great restaurant and just stuffed ourselves. And a couple of hours later, we made it back to our room for what we had hoped would be a really nice evening together. Well, instead of an evening of romance, we had this unwelcome guest that we'll simply call food poisoning uh, that showed up to our room that night in the both of us. And uh, if you've ever had food poisoning before, you know what it's like to be so cold one hour that you are under every blanket that you can get a hold of and you are shivering uncontrollably and you can't warm up, but then it changes at some point and you are so hot and miserable that you are willing to go into the bathroom and just lie down on the floor on the ceramic tile and just press your face up against the ceramic tile because it's the only thing that brings any relief from the misery in that moment. You could say that we were stuffed, but definitely not very satisfied. And I just think that it's a really good picture too of where a lot of us end up in life. I mean, we have you know, especially here in central Indiana, we have access to so much, so many options. And satisfaction is always the goal. And so what do we do? We just stuff ourselves. We go looking to a little bit of this 
and a lot of that and a little bit more of this. And we start looking to these things till all, uh, all of a sudden one day it just hits you that you're stuffed. You've tried everything, but you're not very satisfied. Or maybe somewhere along the way we realize that even as we consume, even as we eat and we eat and we fill ourselves that we're still hungry. See, here's the thing. And it doesn't matter whether you call yourself a Christian or if you're new to all of this. What our God did is he put inside of us this craving for something so much more. And what we do in our tendency is to try and fill that craving, to satisfy that craving with everything but our God. What is it for you? Man, what are those things that you go looking to? You know, to satisfy the need, to satisfy the hunger. I mean, for some people, it's, uh, it's video games, right? I mean, it's the next game. It's the next edition. It's the next system. Uh, for some people, it's social media. Man, we are all about social media in our culture, and so people just lose themselves all day long in Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and we don't even pay attention to our children and to the things that are going on around us, and we just start looking for something like social media to do for us what only God can really do. Uh, For some people, it's work. Man, men and women alike, but men, can you relate? I mean, we look to our jobs to provide. We look for our jobs to fulfill a need, to satisfy us. And so we count on this job or we count on the next job or the next promotion or the next pay raise or another more, maybe it's more education. You know, if I get, if I get another degree, well, then I'll truly or maybe finally be satisfied. How about another relationship? Because when this relationship doesn't do it for me, maybe I'll look to another relationship or another marriage or maybe another affair. I mean, for some people, it's the pursuit of more satisfying sex, or it's another night out, or another sexual encounter, or uh, if you're single, or if you're dissatisfied uh, with your marriage right now, or with, you know, the intimacy in your marriage, maybe you get lost in something like pornography, and, and we just start looking to pornography to satisfy our needs. Man, for so many people, it's more money. If I just had a little bit more money, if I had a certain car, again, if I had a bigger house... We just, we take and we take and we consume and we try and we'll taste test anything or we'll try anything, whatever it is. And whatever the combination of what it is that we try, what we ultimately find is it's just really masking the true hunger that's within us. And so in John 6, this crowd finally catches up to Jesus and they're hungry. And because Jesus has compassion on them, and that's what's so cool. And that's what you'll see in the story if you see it for yourself. Jesus wants to move this crowd from away from a hunger for more of food to a hunger for more of God. And so they come asking for more food to eat. But look at how Jesus responds in verse 27. He says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now again, Jesus, our Savior, He knows what they need. I mean, he knows that like you and me, the people in this crowd struggle with the same desire for satisfaction, and he knows that there's a deeper hunger at play here, and, and sure, I mean, he's the savior of the world. I mean, he can make food come down from heaven. He could make bread appear na- supernaturally if he wanted to, but what the people don't realize on this day, I mean, if, if they really believe that bread is going to cut it, Jesus knows that they're missing out on a deeper satisfaction that only he can offer. You know, the people don't realize it yet, but Jesus is up to spiritual things. Like he's using some deeper spiritual language right now that's a little odd to them, and they really don't know what he's talking about or where he's going with all of this. But let's just kind of take a look at really the question that Jesus was asking. And the question that Jesus was asking them, let's really ask of ourselves, 
It's this. What are you hungry for right now in your life? I mean, how would you label that hunger that God has put in you? I mean, what, what keeps you up at night? What are those things that you think about or you dream about or you say, you know, if I only had this or if I only experienced a little more of that, I mean, I mean what stands in the way of you discovering joy and ultimate satisfaction in your life? Jesus has an answer for us. Look at what he says in another place in Scripture. And he was talking to a group of people just like you and me. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he really can't say it any more plainly. He says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. I like how the Phillips version of the Bible says that you will be satisfied. Or I guess you could say, I mean, in the context of what we're talking about, that if you hunger and you thirst and you go pursuing more of Jesus, you will discover satisfaction, that He is the only one that can satisfy. And so there's this crowd, and uh, Jesus continues in this interaction with them, and look at how He continues in, verse, uh, in chapter 6, verse 33. He says to them, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, let's just stop there for a second, because I believe that there probably was a large portion of that crowd that was sort of wondering, what kind of bread is he talking about? Like, what what kind of bread is this? I mean, everyone ate bread. Everybody ate bread. I mean, it was a regular daily source of nutrition in any person's diet. And bread was accessible to anyone and everyone, no matter how rich or how poor you were. It supplied strength and it supplied nourishment. But here Jesus changes the conversation to help them see that He is the bread of life, that He was the one sent by God, the chosen one, sent by God to meet our daily spiritual needs and our deepest longing too. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He says, I am the only one that can truly satisfy. I had a friend uh, send me a a story recently uh, that I really think illustrates this well. Check this out. When I got into the NBA, nearly everybody shot two-handed when it started out. I didn't. I was the freak. I shot him one-handed, you know. (laughs) My brother was a good ball player and a good athlete, and uh, we'd play one-on-one, and I never could get a shot off, and he really enjoyed that because he was 6'5", and I was just about, I don't know, 5'7", probably. 
He used to tell me that you better find another game. This isn't your game. It's for big men, tall men. Eye on the board, sailors. Somehow, the idea come to me is if, well, if I jump up, and I knew I could jump, I jump straight up, bring the ball up right over my head, and I, I let it go, and the thing went in. He hadn't, his feet was on the ground. He hadn't even left the floor. And he said, Kenny, you may have something there. He says, you better develop that shot. It took years. It didn't happen overnight to get a jump shot, but uh, it was the idea behind it. Kids in their community started trying to imitate that shot as soon as they saw it in Life magazine. And I've had people tell me, even ball players tell me, that that's the first picture I ever saw of a jump shot. If you look, everybody is bound to the floor, their feet, except mine. And that was, the, that was one of the standard rules in my day was in defense or on offense, you never left the floor. Every, every time he comes in here, somebody knows me. Yeah, it's pretty popular. I'm not popular. That jump shot's popular. But he doesn't really take credit for it. He really doesn't. No. But who would know who's the first kid well, that jumped in the air and shot a basketball? Just take it and run with it. You know, who would possibly know? Then good to you. Ray Meyer from DePaul, who coached there for many, many years, he said it the best, I think. Sailors may not have been the first player to jump in the air and shoot the ball, but he developed the shot that's being used today. In 1943, we won the NCAA, we beat the champions of the MIT, we beat the National Service Gym champion, and we beat the National AAU champions, Philip 66. Wasn't anybody else to beat. I went as far as I could go in basketball, but that still wasn't enough, so I went into the pros and played long enough to get a pension in the NBA. Basketball was, it was just about my whole life when I was growing up. And as I've gotten older, and the Lord has shown me that there's far more things more important than just sports or basketball. That's my girl, 60 years of my life I spent with that girl. My wife and I had a wonderful marriage and it lasted a long time. We enjoyed living with each other, we enjoyed our family. I don't know how it could have been any better. She contacted this, uh, what do you call it, dementia and uh, gradually you lose your memory of things way back. The doctors told me she wasn't going to be around too much longer. It's tough. But the Lord gives you strength that you don't even know where it comes from. He just gives you the strength to go through most anything. As an old man, 90 years of age, I've experienced much in my lifetime, and all of it wasn't good, and certainly all of it wasn't bad. But one thing that has stood the test of time is God. 
He has satisfied me in a way that all the fame and success could never do. Nothing does compare with my experience with Christ in the life that I've had in Him. There's nothing in this world that can even come close to it. I'm not in the Hall of Fame. So far, I've never made it. If I were to make the Hall of Fame today, oh, you know, it'd, it'd be nice. I mean, I'm a human being just like everybody else. I know I belong to the greatest Hall of Fame that any man or woman can ever belong to. And when you belong to that, and you know you belong to it, you don't worry about these Halls of Fame that men create down here. Don't mean that much to you. It's a sweet story, isn't it? And uh, what a powerful reminder, too, that true satisfaction can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, when I reflect on my life and when you think about your life, I mean, the truth is that there are so many gifts, so many gifts and so many blessings in this world. I mean, your job, that's a blessing. Uh, Your health, a blessing. Uh, Your marriage right now. Uh, your financial resources, maybe your children or a particular relationship. These are blessings. Like these are gifts from God. But the problem is that so often what happens for us and what happens for me is that we get upside down from time to time and we start looking to these blessings to do for us what only God can do. He's the only one that can truly satisfy. There is nothing that can satisfy like a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, And Jesus offers us that gift. And he offers us the ultimate source of satisfaction. He gave his life. He made it possible for you and I to have a relationship with him. And the Bible shows us and tells us that if we put our faith in him and if we put our trust in him and if we pursue him and we go looking to seek and cultivate that relationship with him, the truth is it will never hunger, will never thirst, and that you and I, we can be truly satisfied. Here's how we're going to end our time uh, together today. I want to offer you the opportunity of some time on your own, maybe a time in prayer, maybe a time to reflect, a way of responding. And um, I've got two verses uh, for you to think about. We're going to put them on the screen right now. Uh, The first comes out of Psalm chapter 90, verse 14. This is a verse that we have framed. It's on the uh, wall in our kitchen. I see it every day when I leave the house. And it's a prayer that Moses prayed uh, when he prayed, Lord, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Here's what I want to invite you, maybe challenge you to do. If, you're, if you would call yourself a Christian, uh, maybe you'd say, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but maybe you know and realize today, you know what, I've, I've kind of drifted a bit. I've been looking to this or I've been looking to that other than looking to Jesus. Maybe today's a day where you kind of center yourself back on Him realizing that he's the only one that can satisfy. And so maybe your prayer during this time, maybe your response follows the words of Moses. And maybe you'd be willing to pray, Lord, satisfy me today and every day with your unfailing love. God, I praise your name today. But maybe you're here right now 
and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've been searching and pursuing and you know there's a need there and you're looking and you're searching right now and maybe even believing today that Jesus could have something to do with it. Maybe your prayer comes out of some words that David spoke in Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, when he says and challenges us to taste and see that the Lord is good and that blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I want to ask you today, would you be willing to taste and see that our Lord, our gift, our Savior, the chosen one, Jesus Christ, that he is good. And as David prayed and as God responds and says to us today, blessed is the one who takes refuge and finds safety and satisfaction in him. If that's where you are right now and you really believe that the Lord is working on your heart and drawing you to himself, man, don't fight back. But maybe open up your heart today and maybe you just pray something like this, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Today's the day I belong to you. God, forgive me of my sins. God, call me your own. Call me your child here today. You can do that today. You can pray a prayer like that or however the Spirit leads you, and I promise that He listens and He will respond to you if you turn your heart to Him right now. Let's do that with this time.